It releases norepinephrine. We know that the neurotransmitter norepinephrine creates focus and attention. It also will stimulate the endorphins. Endorphins, norepinephrine, that's like a natural high you can never experience any other way. So that mm -hmm. definitely lifts the mood, right? Also, um, it increases your, your antioxidants. So mm. it will increase your immune system. It will help you be stronger in your immunity. And some people believe it really helps with their sleep. And honestly, if you make it a habit, I think once a week's probably not enough. Probably you need to go at least twice a week or somewhere in your house or wherever mm -hmm. you're going at least two times a week to, to really make it a, a habit, a part of, of your wellness routine. This is Get Personal with Dr. Chris. Real life stories and informative conversations helping you take control of your health and feel like yourself again. Today, I am talking again with my son and podcast producer, Anthony, and we are breaking down some of today's hottest health trends. We're all bombarded by health influencers and social media posts every day that sing the praises of different supplements and treatments. Sometimes it's hard to know which ones are actually healthy safe and backed by science. I get questions about things all the time from my patients. And today we're talking about three big ones, cold plunging, mouth taping, and functional mushrooms. With all things, they have some risks and they're best to practice in moderation, but they all have real benefits and some interesting and deep roots in traditional naturopathic medicine. everyone. I am here today with my son and podcast producer, Anthony, again. We're going to be talking about some trends that we have seen on social media. These are the things that are just out there now. And the funny thing is that all of these trends are rooted in ancient wisdom and naturopathic practices. So it's fun to see them. And this is our opportunity to talk more about them, teach you about them and decide if, if they're right for you. Okay. So these are all, like you said, trends, recent trends, although maybe they're not that new, even though people have been talking about them a lot recently. The first one that we are going to discuss is the cold plunge. And so as far as I understand it, it's this is basically submerging yourself in some way in very cold water, whether it's through the shower or an ice bath. And people are just very into this right now. They mm -hmm. seem to swear by it. It seems like there's like entire spas even dedicated to this, this yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. And I have done it a couple of times I don't have a ton of experience with it. I don't like being uh, cold in cold <laughs> water like most people. Um, however, personally, 
I, I do know people that are like religious about this and claim that it is amazing. And the few times that I have done it, I will say that I have felt very good mm-hmm. for the rest of the day that I did it. So what have your patients asked you about w- regarding this? And what do you know about the, the science that's behind it? Most of my patients have asked me, A, have I done it? The answer is yes, I have. And B, should they do it? And the answer to that question is probably. Um, There's obviously some people who shouldn't be doing a cold plunge. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But most people will benefit from it. And what I love the most about the whole trend of plunging is that it comes from hydrotherapy. Hydrotherapy was a treatment used hundreds of years ago in many different ways to both heal the body and to activate many of its systems. And in fact, today you may have even used it like if you got hurt, um, if especially soft tissue injury, we've talked about icing it. Uh, we talk about hot first, cold second, certain amount of minutes here and there. That is hydrotherapy as well. So the whole principle is getting the body hot, then making it very cold. And after the body is very cold, it will fight hard to get warm again. And that is essentially the basics of hydrotherapy. And you're right. The funny thing is there are whole businesses built on this now, which I think is great, honestly. Um, Nobody likes to be cold. I don't like to be cold. But being cold is what invigorates us. I think that's where the word comes from. Invigorate is based on the root vitality. And vitality is all about our health and living. So when we plunge into this cold water, our body is basically shocked and has to take a minute to revamp. And when we come out of that cold water, it it's like, wait a minute, we are not supposed to be this cold. We have got to warm up. So the blood vessels, when they were constricted in the coldness, then dilate afterwards and run that blood to our extremities. So talking about the process of how you do this is what's really important to why you do it. So the benefit comes from really shocking your system. Mm -hmm. And then it's this freak out quick recovery afterwards, which is where the benefit comes from. Yeah, exactly. So most of the places you will go to, let's say if it's a a spa or a storefront where they have the cold plunges available, you will usually sit in your sauna for about 15 minutes to the point where you're very sweaty and very hot. And you walk out and ideally you will rinse your body first, get the perspiration off and normalize just slightly. And then you get into that very cold water, which the very cold water is typically between about 39 and 44 degrees. So then when you're in the water, you will stay there for two to four minutes and no more than that. That's a whole, that's something else we'll talk about in a minute. So two to four minutes, you're in that cold water. You want to fully submerge up to about the jawline. That's, that's covering and the vagus nerve area, which is 
which is the signaler to your sympathetic parasympathetic nervous system. That's the whole idea behind this. So you want to get fully submerged just to the jawline for two to four minutes, and then you get out and you will maybe rinse off and then perhaps do that again. I, it is recommended to do at least two rounds. Then you get in your sauna again for 15 minutes. You get in the cold plunge again for two to four minutes. Uh, you come out and you will rinse briefly in warm water and then that's it. You can do some squats, you can move around, get your blood flowing a little bit, but don't heat back up. The whole idea is that you got cold. The cells and your blood vessels constricted, and then they're going to dilate as soon as you come out of that water, and you want your body to create the warmth again. So you want the blood to flow. When you sit in that cold water, all of your blood is going to go to your center core and it's going to feed the heart and it's going to feed the blood vessels in the core. And in some cases saying it's going to actually use brown fat as metabolism, which that's the kind of fat that has the most energy and increases the, the surge of insulin. So it helps insulin sensitivity. After that, as soon as you get out, that blood is now going to rush to the extremities and that brings healing, muscle repair, um, all kinds of blood flow to your extremities for all of those benefits. If you heated it up artificially, once you got out, you will lose that benefit of the extra blood flow to the extremities. Can you, if you don't have access on a regular basis to the fancy spa where you can have a sauna and submerge yourself in the cold water up to your neck. Can you do this in a homemade way in the mm -hmm. shower? I know a lot of people mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we live in Arizona, so <laughs> we have an advantage of many of us have pools in our backyard. In the winter, our pool is 40 degrees for sure. Um, you have the opportunity in that case to run a very hot shower to get your body pretty hot or to exercise to the point where you're very warm, and then you can get into your own outside pool. At that point, once you've been for two to four minutes, get out and towel off that way. Or you can use a shower. The disadvantage to using a shower, you could get a very hot shower and at the end do two minutes of cold, is that you can't get that submersion. You know, you, you're, the water is coming, is hitting you and it is cold. It's actually more uncomfortable for you because the air is now around mm. you. When you're submerged in the water, it's better for you. In fact, the best advice I got when I did this for the first time was go under the water and don't move because mm. moving makes it worse and it does make it worse. But you can get some benefit because I think the, yeah. the by far the easiest way to do it for most people would be just in the shower. Yeah. Just maybe like have the water hitting like your neck mm -hmm. or something, that area of the vagus? Yeah. Thing? Yes, definitely. To your, in your core, right? Your neck and your, okay. your chest, your core, the core. I mean, really that's the whole concept behind it. You will still feel that. Now, if you get to a point where you're in a submerged and you start to shiver or you feel numb, obviously this is not the right time for you. You need to get out. Those are, those are indicators you shouldn't be in there. The other thing to remember when you're in the cold plunge in the cold water, whether it's a pool or a lake, some people do it in a cold lake or even in your shower, is that your breath should not be quick breaths. We don't want to hyperventilate. Focus on your breath. When you're in that cold water, focus on your breathing nice 
deep breaths in and deep breaths out match that breath. Uh, I mean, most of you know, I've had four babies. So that was, I mean, I was like right in it. I was like, okay, I'm breathing like when I had those babies. <laughs> and that's what it feels like. It's like, I got to focus. And I mean, I close my eyes when I'm in there and I breathe and that's what I do just to get, just to get to the end. And pro I promise the second time you do it is easier in your session. It definitely is easier. It seems like part of the appeal for a lot of people is kind of just a mental challenge, mm -hmm. mental exercise of just breathing through something hard. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It is mentally rewarding to breathe through mm -hmm. something hard. I love that. That's a great, great way to say it. I mean, it releases norepinephrine. We know that the neurotransmitter mm -hmm. norepinephrine creates focus and attention. It mm -hmm. also will stimulate the endorphins. Endorphins, norepinephrine, that's like a natural high you can never experience any other way. So mm -hmm. that definitely lifts the mood, right? I mean, it also helps with recovery, obviously, from any kind of physical recovery. If you've been working out really hard or you have an injury, it will bring blood flow to that extremity. Um, it increases your, your antioxidants. So mm. it will increase your body's, your immune system. It will help you be stronger in your immunity. And some people believe it really helps with their sleep. There's been a few studies where mm. they've seen improvement in heart rate variability, which is a whole nother podcast. We're going to talk about that because I think it's really cool. Uh, but it, mm. it helps with that. So it helps with sleep in general. So you got your metabolism increasing, your immune system increasing, your mood elevating, all of those things happening. So, and honestly, if you make it a habit, I think, once a week's probably not enough. Prob probably you need to go at least twice a week or somewhere in your house or wherever mm -hmm. you're going at least two times a week to, to really make it a, a habit, a part of, of your wellness routine. I'm guessing it also decreases inflammation along with all that other stuff. Yes. Oh yes, absolutely. Definitely should not have left that out because 100%. And the neat thing about um, that, and when we get to talk about our functional mushrooms later, we'll talk about glutathione, but it, in, it decreases inflammation because they believe that it, um, increases glutathione secretion and glutathione secretion is a very strong antioxidant that increases natural killer cells and also will decrease inflammation. So you got a twofer going on there. It's great. It sounds like a lot of the same stuff that happens when you get a runner's high. And mm -hmm. I definitely believe that it improves inflammation. The, I did it the other day because they had a cold shower built into the sauna that I was at. And mm. the rest of the, of the day, I felt really good. Like mm -hmm. I didn't, I just wasn't achy at all, which is something that I feel sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. felt really good the rest of the day. Yeah, t totally. I mean, anytime you're feeling just kind of sluggish, or mm -hmm. let's say you've recovered from an illness, um, or you're just feeling foggy, this would be the mm -hmm. best time to do something, do, do, to, to do a cold plunge. I would tell you, um, if you've been through any kind of stressor, a stressful event, definitely when you're on that recovery side of things, not in the acute phase, it might not be good for super stressful time, but right after that would be a good time to be doing it. And if you're used to doing the cold plunge, then obviously 
it would be a little bit easier for you to do it closer to the acute phase, just because your body's used to it. But do not try to go beyond four minutes or so. It, it doesn't serve you. It's not, it's not going to make a difference. I mean, research tells us that. Same thing that research tells us that really a three-day fast is the maximum you ever mm. need to do. Like, more isn't better, even though we all think it is. <laughs> it's, you cross it's, the line into just damaging your body. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's not, it's not good. Just like too much exercise isn't good for your body because exercise is stress. Making your body cold is stress. So, mm-hmm. you know, in the end... The right dose. Yeah, everything in moderation, 100%. And the warning sign shivering or erratic breathing that's a bad that's a bad sign yeah it's a bad sign if you're shivering or if you feel like your extremities are numb um and also if you actually have high blood pressure and you know of this it's been diagnosed um and or on are on high blood pressure medication or have had some cardiovascular events you probably should talk with Mm. your cardiologist or your physician before doing something like this because it's definitely stressful in your cardiovascular system. I mean, okay. that's the whole idea, right? We're, we're dilating and then uh, we're constricting and dilating your blood vessels uh, mm-hmm. like no one's business. So it's stressful in your cardiovascular system and in healthy people, that's good. But if you've got some challenges in that area, you want to run that by your physician first. Okay. We can move on to the next one on our list. Yeah. Which is one that I have seen on social media recently that did seem pretty strange to me at first. I had never seen anything quite like it. It seems almost like something that would happen to you if you're kidnapped, which <laughs> yeah. is yeah. mouth which is mouth taping. So this is where, as far as I understand it, yeah, you, you literally just tape your mouth shut while you mm-hmm. sleep and this forces you to breathe through your nose all night. And that's good for you. Yeah, it does kind of sound like something would happen if you're being kidnapped. Um, it's, it, it, it is definitely a, a trend. Um, and I will explain to you a little bit about the physiology behind it. First of all, you are not putting duct tape on your mouth or any other kind mm-hmm. of random office supply tape. Okay. First of all, coming from... A, an aesthetic point of view or somebody that does do a lot of work with skin, this would be mm-hmm. the worst thing in the world for your skin. But the idea behind it is basically changing the angle of your palate and your tongue so that your tongue doesn't fall back into the throat and cause changed breathing patterns or snoring. So the research that's been done on mouth taping, even though what you see on social media is, oh, it's going to make your breath better. Oh, it's going to, um, it's going to decrease your anxiety. Oh, and it's also going to help you get better quality sleep. And, um, it's going to, you know, decrease all the dryness in your mouth and in the lungs. Some of these things are true and people will notice them and there's nothing wrong with that. But the only proven research they've seen is that it, it can decrease snoring in people who have what's called obstructive apnea. So when some people snore, it's because they have their tongue kind of falling back in the palate. And that's why people will snore most likely while lying on their back. If they roll onto their sides, that's no longer going to happen. So if we close the mouth shut, it makes it so the chin can't fall back. 
and it changes the physiology so that you may not snore. Um, so that's kind of the one thing that scientifically we are seeing with the mouth taping. But some, I mean, people that talk about this on social media claim more benefits than not snoring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that stuff sounds like maybe a little bit less proven, at least at this point. Yeah, I would say less proven. It depends on who you are. Obviously, if you can manage to keep your mouth closed, you you will breathe through your nose. And this does filter the air better. What that means is you're going to get, you should get less uh, particles into your lungs and the nasal passages, which overall in the end is good. The other thing is that the air coming in should be moister. Air coming in the nose and into the sinus passages and down into the, the lungs when it's moist, it's better. If it's coming in through the mouth, it's going to be drier. So you, it makes sense that that m- keeping your mouth shut while sleeping is ideal. But I would say for some people, actually taping their mouth closed would definitely cause more anxiety than mm-hmm. decreased anxiety. I don't know about you. <laughs> and, you know, the other thing is I, I, I haven't done this one. I mean, I'm not, I'm going to admit right now, I have not done this. So you said, obviously, not, we're not supposed to use duct, duct tape for this. Mm-hmm. Is there like mouth taping tape specifically that you need? Or is there some type of tape that's widely available that's safe for this? Yes. There's something called mouth strips that are medical grade surgical tape. Um, you can also buy athletic tape, surgical tape, probably at your local drugstore, those tapes are more porous and they're not going to rip your skin off and they're better for this. So those would be what you get locally. There's also other devices. I did see online recently a device that it wraps around your chin and up around your ears and then your head. And all that Mm. does is then keeps your mouth shut. It's not exactly putting tape on your lips, but it's keeping your chin closed and so that your mouth stays closed. To me, this makes a little bit more sense um, and might be a little bit more palatable to people. I mean, I'm, I'm somebody though that can't sleep in socks because I feel like I'm being obstructed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, to each his own. Um, but I mean, obviously if you're not sleeping with your mouth open and breathing with your mouth open, it's not going to create dryness. We know that bacteria loves a dry environment. Mm. So that's where the dental health comes in, right? If you keep your mouth closed, you're not mm. going to be drying out the mucous membranes as much. And is there any risk to like suffocating yourself with this? If your nose is plugged and you can't breathe out of your mouth. I think a lot of people probably have that uh, thought when they yeah. see this. They, they, I can see they could see that, but you have something called a reticular activating system in your brain that's not going to let you do that. Um, okay. It's Luckily, our body knows better than us sometimes. <laughs> so you'll and wake up or blow it off or something? Yeah, you'll wake up. It's the same reason people do wake up with sleep apnea. It's the okay. same reason if you're wearing some sort of a sleep uh, tracking device and you have sleep apnea, you'll see that you've got all these wake times in your tracking that means you were awake. Why were you awake? You were awakened because you didn't have enough oxygen. Your body does that on purpose. So no, I don't think there's, there's very little chance you're going to suffocate when you take your mouth shut. But 
I don't know about you, but I'm just saying I would probably lose my mind. <laughs> okay, so that one seems like confirmed benefit <laughs> for snoring. Mm-hmm. The other stuff, not so sure, but maybe. Yeah, Give I mean, it you, a try can also, if you, want. you can also, you know, there's also alternatives are side sleeping, you know, putting pillows behind your back, trying to encourage yourself to sleep on your side. Um, there's the nasal strips. You know, nasal strips mm. will encourage to, will open the nasal passages. When your nasal passages are open, you're going to breeze through your nose. One of the thing, reasons you breathe through your mouth is because your nose is clogged. And some people do have obstruction in their nasal passages. So if you can open the nasal passages, it'll, you're, you will more naturally breathe through your nose. So, I mean, there's, there's ways to keep your mouth closed and encourage more nasal breathing other than just taping your mouth shut. Okay. So now we'll move on to the third and final trend, which is the one that I personally have the most experience with, functional <laughs> mushrooms. Yes. Um, I, I, my understanding, this is a broad term to describe a great variety of different mushrooms that you can take in different forms, probably most of them being many centuries old in yeah. human medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that seem to be most in at the moment are lion's mane, cordyceps, reishi. I have taken these in the form of uh, different powders for drinks, including mm-hmm. mud water. I think they make they make me feel more focused mm-hmm. and alert. I like them a lot. It's like mm-hmm. a pretty normal part of my routine at this point. What do you know about these? Well, obviously, a large part of my education was in botanical medicine. So I'm a giant fan of herbs and plants for medicine. That's at the core of naturopathic medicine. So we learned about all these mushrooms. And I love them. I've, I learned about in the very beginning and started trying right away as a student. Um, there's some that I still use. Um, and like you said, putting it into things, these are, these are the easiest things to add to your world because they're very easy to add to your regular life in whether it be in coffee or an alternative to coffee. When I was, um, doing some of this research to have this conversation with you, it was funny because I have all my books in my home office and I pulled out the Materia Medica, which is 300 herbs. And it was fun to kind of look at that book. And while we know, for instance, that cordyceps is one that we use for the most part for energy. Cordyceps Mm -hmm. is well known for energy, well known for muscle recovery. People Mm -hmm. take it as a stimulant, really. It's, it also mm. has respiratory indications for bronchitis, decreases mucus. It helps with libido. It helps with nervousness. Um, it definitely helps with immunity and premature aging. It's even been indicated in cancer treatments. Mm. So cordyceps is one that's been around. I mean, they've all been around forever. But think of all those extra indications that it has that the media didn't pick up on, you know, kind of its underlying things that it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the functional mushroom stuff is usually sold as like a optimization mm-hmm. and like energy focus thing. Kind of like, sure. like you said, al- coffee alternative. 
but the way that these things have been used forever is actually goes beyond that. It seems like. Yeah. Um, you know, the coolest thing you mentioned lion's mane. Mm-hmm. So lion's mane, I love, I'm because I'm for one reason, I'm in a very anti-aging world. Obviously I work with a lot of people over the age of 40, over 50, over 60. So it's a very much a brain focused mushroom, but it came about because the Buddhist monks used it. So the Buddhist monks would use lion's mane to increase Mm. their concentration and focus because Mm. they would be in prayer all day long. (laughs) So this is something that they used uh, forever and ever ago in order to be more prayerful and focused in their, in their day. Cool, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that is cool. And Mm -hmm. that matches my experience with lion's mane. It's, it's definitely a focus thing. Yeah. And it matches really well with cacao. So, mm. and the, the, what I use in the morning is the, my, the lion's mane mixed with cacao. Mm-hmm. And I put that in my coffee and it's the real coffee. It's not mud water, but I do think mud water is very cool. I'm just saying, <laughs> um, but I love it mixed with cacao and um, the wild sun products that I use are locally sold in Arizona and she makes one that is cacao and lion's mane mm-hmm. has a little bit of stevia and it's great to add to the coffee. But I do think that lion's mane not only with helps with focus, but I do think it's a mood lifter too. I mm-hmm. totally can tell the difference. And then reishi, did you look into that one? Yeah. So reishi is another big materia medica uh, mushroom, one that we studied a lot. Reishi is probably the number one immune supporter. It's mm-hmm. also called an adaptogen. So mm-hmm. in the herbal world, adaptogens are herbs that will go in and say, okay, look, everybody, we just need to balance out here. It's mm-hmm. not going to increase where it doesn't need to increase and it's not going to decrease where it doesn't need to decrease. It's going to bring about balance. When you talk about the immune system, especially in things where People have autoimmune disorders where their immune system is overexcited. We Mm -hmm. need to make sure we're not stimulating the immune system. So the reishi mushroom does that. It goes in and just says, okay, you need a little tweak here and a little tweak there, but we don't need to like make it crazy. So the reishi mushroom will do that. And it's also really important as a stress response for the same reason and mood but some of the uh, bet you didn't know this things about the reishi mushroom mm-hmm. is that it's also important in uh, for insomnia. So it can help with sleep. Mm-hmm. It, it's a great addition to a sleepy time tea. For instance, mm-hmm. reishi mushroom would be in there. Also good for bronchial wellness and for indigestion. So reishi mm-hmm. mushrooms have been used for ulcers, indigestion, Um and also used in joint weakness, neuromuscular things, tendon weakness, things like fibromyalgia. So reishi has been well indicated in those things as well. I think that's a good point to bring up adaptogenic because that's a mm-hmm. big word that you see on a lot of labels and things. Ashwagandha is another mm-hmm. big one of those. So adaptogenic is like it does what the body needs it to do. It can morph its effect based on what the body needs at that moment. It can excite certain things and calm down other things, which is very cool and seems different to me than a lot of pharmaceuticals that just kind of go in and push, you know, one thing or another. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely my soapbox on the pharmaceuticals versus the uh, herbs, mm. <laughs> I'd have to say, or the botanical medicine in general is, yes, the mm. any of your pharmaceuticals are going to go in and, yeah, just like you said, push one thing and that's it. Forget about anything else. We're going to push this one thing and everything else may come crashing down, but uh, I'm going to get that one thing. And that's another reason why for the mushrooms and for a lot of herbal medicine, they are better in a powder or a tea mm. or a tincture where you can get certain parts of that herb included. It might be just the stems, it might be just the flowers, or it might be the entire herb. And that's where, you know, using them in powders and teas and tinctures are sometimes better than capsules. Although a lot of really good mushroom products are sold in a capsule. And I, it, those are fine, and I use those too. But I'm just a little bit more partial to tinctures and powders. Okay. And I'll say that I don't mix it with my coffee because I'm a coffee snob and I need the coffee to be pure, <laughs> but I make a separate drink for the mushrooms, which works as well. That is 100% true. You are a coffee snob <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. You're allowed to be. <laughs> and I think the mushrooms work great for like, I mean, a lot of people talk about it as a coffee replacement. I'm not going to mm -hmm. give up coffee at Me least either. not now, nope. but it's... <laughs> It, it can be a replacement for like a second cup of coffee in the afternoon. So yes. I like using it like at noon or like a little later in the day. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's a great, what a great suggestion. If you do like mud water or any of those other um, drinks, there's a lot of, I know we're really pushing that one, but there's a lot of other ones out there. The afternoon is a good time to do that instead of doing coffee. I love, love, love that as an idea. A um, couple of the other ones we didn't mention is chaga. The chaga mm -hmm. mushroom is a very common one now, and that's a it's a big antioxidant, huge for inflammation. It's immune health too, mm. but I would say it's bigger in the world of decreasing inflammation, um, and it's a big antioxidant. So anything that's an antioxidant is going to be helpful for anti-cancer and helpful for decreasing um toxins and obviously for your immune health. So chaga is a big one for that. A lot of times you'll find chaga and reishi together in formulas. Mm -hmm. um, turkey tail is a cool one. I like mm -hmm. it just because it has a cool name. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if you see it in nature, it, it has this flowering effect. Uh, it's like a little baby what you would think is a mushroom round thing. And then it has this, all these sprouts that come out of it. It's kind of cool, but it's got a lot of prebiotics in it and, mm. um, a lot of antioxidants as, as well. So Turkey tails usually in a lot of immune formulas as w with chaga and reishi together. So these functional mushroom cocktail drinks are using any, of them in by themselves it's it's like it's like a kind of full spectrum sup health supplement it mm -hmm. does a lot more than just give you some energy yeah i think so 100 percent. i mean even like the shiitake mushroom which we didn't mention yet yeah. and that that you can find at the store at the grocery store but the shiitake mushrooms got all like nine amino acids in it so it's like a hair, skin, and nail thing. It's got, mm. it's really good for your um, skin. The, the amino acids are the building block to protein. So your hair, all of those things. I think that's, it's a, that's a unique function of the shiitake mushroom. And 
keep in mind too, these are concentrated amounts of these mushrooms. So even though I love to eat for my health and, you know, food is met, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. I, I 100% agree with that. But sometimes you just can't get the right concentration by just eating the mushrooms. I still encourage you to do that. But to get the right amounts, you're probably going to have to make it into a powder or a tea or a supplement. And then, you know, many of these mushrooms are grown in other countries and mm-hmm. they're grown in places that are very hard to get to. So, you know, having respect for where they come from is is important. And we do have to be careful by not over harvesting them as well. Sometimes the product, like let's say you fall in love with a particular product. You're like, oh, I just love this whatever mushroom product. And all of a sudden it's just that of stock. That happens. Mm-hmm. A lot of okay. times the really good herbs that are the companies that you follow or use they'll have to just go dark for a little bit because their supply is just low and or they've over farmed in a particular area and so they'll go to another area. So whenever that happens, trying not to be discouraged in the company, but yet to be respectful of that company, that they're doing the right thing probably for the earth at that time. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's another dimension of it to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Is there any warnings for the mushrooms mm-hmm. we talked about with the first two that you can kind of overdo it. Is there anything to be careful of with the mushrooms? One of the unfortunate warnings on herbal medicine in general, botanical medicine, is that we have to be careful during pregnancy and nursing. The main reason is because we haven't researched it enough. There isn't mm-hmm. enough data. So unfortunately, there's... A lot of times when my patients become pregnant or are nursing, we'll have to pull some of those herbal medicines out, including some of the mushrooms. So that would be one place. We do pull mushrooms from a diet when we are concerned with fungal overgrowth because there's a lot of, they are a fungi, Mm. like that's what they are. So if you really struggle with that, you might want to talk to your functional medicine provider or your naturopathic doctor just to say, okay, where do we stand with this? Um, is it affecting my fungal overgrowth and should I pull back? Or maybe I just need to do, my moderation might be lower than the next person's moderation level. So those would probably be a couple of the things that I would keep in mind about the, about the mushrooms. Can they be tough on digestion? They could be. You know, I have seen more diarrhea than constipation from too much mushrooms. But I'll tell you, that's going to happen with almost anything that we overdo. Again, Mm -hmm. everything in moderation. We're not going to go crazy on this. (laughs) And in fact, the supplement, the lion's mane that I use in the morning calls for a teaspoon added to your coffee. I use, well, I I don't do very much. I just do the espresso shots. So I probably do it a half a teaspoon in mine. So, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take much. And I think they can keep you up. Mm-hmm. Oh, they yeah. They can be stimulating. Definitely. The stimulating, like the lion's mane, the cordyceps, these are mm-hmm. stimulating. These are definitely um, stimulating herbs. So, and they're drying too. Anything that's stimulating is usually drying. It's a whole mm. thing with herbs. So if you're in a state of dryness or in a very dry environment, sometimes they're not the best ones. So it's, you know, it's these are all cool little idiosyncrasies and interesting facts about the about the herbs and the mushrooms in general, but that's something to keep in mind. So just don't go too crazy with it yeah. and maybe take it a little earlier in the day. Yeah, definitely. 
Cool. So it seems like all these things are pretty old, like you mentioned. They're kind of reviving ancient human medical knowledge using plants and just temperature. I mean, I, I think that the whole like hydrotherapy thing mm-hmm. comes from, doesn't it come from Scandinavia? People literally laying in snow and then going into saunas. And so yeah. it's t- time-tested stuff. And this, the, the risks seem lower than a lot of more intense medical interventions. So as long as you have just a, a little bit of moderation and you're careful, they, they could be really helpful. Yeah, we even, um, another one of my practical wisdom and natural healing books I was looking at um, talks about hydrotherapy, um, using it in respiratory illness, using, for instance, herbal poultices with mustard and like all these herbs that you make a poultice, which is a paste and wrap it in cotton and put it place on the chest and then mm. wrapping a hot cloth on there for one minute, pulling that up, wrapping in cold. And just this whole process that goes on with hydrotherapy in order to heal the lungs. And we, we went, we had a whole class in hydrotherapy when I was in medical school and it's ancient, it's ancient roots are amazing. It's just the coolest way to even mm-hmm. visualize the way your body will, once it's cooled and then it's heated and it's cooled and how it reacts and then it sends all the blood to where it needs to go. And it's almost like your body intuitively knows where the blood needs to go and where the healing needs to happen too, which is even cooler, I think. So yeah, all of these things, you know, society is going to pick up mm-hmm. on trends. And I'm fine with that as long as we can talk about them and decide, you know, where does it come from? Is it going to be useful for you? Is it, you know, going to be something that you can actually use? I mean, the mouth taping, do you really want to actually tape your mouth? Or maybe you want to use another device? And is it the right thing for you? Do you have obstructive apnea? Or, you know, maybe you don't, maybe you should try something different. But they're all worth looking into. And I love talking about them. Yeah, it's nice that the old monk style of focus is now on Instagram. And yeah. who, knows, who knows what will be next? Probably some, I mean, there's there's tons of ancient wisdom. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there's going to be a lot more coming. So <laughs> yeah. we'll, we, have, we have an infinite supply of these. Yes, we do. We do. We will do more. And if you, you know, if there's something that, and you're listening, there's something you were wondering about or you want want us to talk about i mean let me know send me a message um, on my instagram or website however you would like to do that i would love to hear about what you want us to talk about because that would be great